Welcome to What The Fit, a podcast about what it means to be fit, whatever the fuck that means. I'm your host, Christelle Rubio, and I'm helping to share the stories of cool people doing cool shit, from fitness trainers to wellness coaches, entrepreneurs, and entertainers. We'll hear the behind-the-scenes journey, all the different ways we can take care of ourselves, and of course, we'll answer and explore the big question of, what does being fit mean to you? My guest today is passionate about helping people who struggle with pelvic floor dysfunction to reach outcomes they didn't know were possible. She uses a holistic approach in her practice to address the injury itself and why it happened to prevent reoccurrence. She's a physical therapist and owner of Resilient RX based in Austin, Texas, here today to talk all about the pelvic floor. Please welcome Dr. Mary Grimberg. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. Thank you so much for coming on. This has got to be like one of the best stories related to how we got hooked up for you to come on the podcast. Yeah, I know. It's got to it's, it's got to be the it's the funniest one. So so Mary and I met at a wedding. Your really good friend, yeah. Sam, the uh -huh. bride, yeah. was marrying my really good friend, Vince, the groom. Yeah. And it was like the day after the wedding, I think, when we were had, had the boat on Lake yeah. Norman and we're like floating in our life jackets, <laughs> like drinking high noons. And I think like during introductions or something, it, it, I heard like, oh, I'm a pelvic floor therapist. And I swear my neck like snapped and I was like, I want to talk about the pelvic floor. <laughs> and, and you probably were not expecting at all someone to know about the pelvic floor be interested in hearing it so like you were talking so passionately about all these topics I was like you got to come on and talk yeah no I love it and actually though when I do tell people that just randomly out and about they're like wait what can you explain what that yeah. is and right. so it's not uncommon for it to be like a center of a a party conversation mm, it's like your party trick it's right? my party like, trick I'm a pelvic floor therapist who wants I, to hear about the core i rehab vaginas <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah well that will get them for sure yeah they're probably. like say what <laughs> yeah <laughs> what? oh man so i i want to hear um a little background get to know you a little bit better so you're you're in texas now in austin yes right? that's correct Are, are you from Texas originally? Where are you from? No, I'm from Northern Virginia. So I'm from a city that's about an hour south of DC. So, okay. and okay. then went to undergrad at Clemson University in South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Went yep. back to DC for um, PT school, uh, Marymount University. It's in Arlington. And then yeah. after there, just decided to move to Austin randomly and have... What what brought you to Austin? I mean, it's obviously a very desirable city. Like, everyone is moving to Austin. I was... Well, this was 2011 at the time, so it so wasn't you're ahead like of a the huge, game. I'm ahead of the game, you know? That's, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> I literally just packed everything and moved there. I'd only been there once. It was just to do something different. I wanted to move to warmer weather and just, like... A city that I could explore a lot and 
just something and different. it's a quirky it's a quirky fun city i've been there a couple times and i always love to go like there's like a weird little mix of everything it's yeah. got like the kind of tradition like you can like vibe off of okay this is texas with the barbecue and the whatever but then you're like am i in nashville because there's like the live music aspect and then it's like also very artsy it's just got a lot going on Weird, it's right? actually very weird. it's actually very like nashville like when i visited nashville i thought it was very similar um but yeah it's country music in nashville but yeah austin is like there's so much food there's bars there's anyway so no i love austin i love how everybody's like super nice and chill and approachable and it's so easy to meet people very active city very proactive with their health um yeah oh yeah very healthy fit city right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh, people are always doing something i mean you know you can i just picked up tennis in march and somebody's always playing tennis oh, everybody's Ooh. playing pickleball there's hikes oh, everywhere yeah. so yeah. yeah yeah have you seen I, have you seen this video going around the internet yet where it's like a parody of two people from LA moving to Texas and they're like greeted by their Texan neighbor and he like comes over and he's got like a hat on and like they have masks on inside their house and they're like freaking out that someone's at the door because in LA if someone's at your door like they're gonna rob you and like pillage your house or whatever and and he's just like super nice and friendly and he like goes to shake their hand and it like he likes they see that there's a, he's carrying a gun right yeah and, and so then they free, and it's just like this huge thing about like making fun of all the people that moved to austin from la and it was like you're not in la anymore like you're in texas <laughs> well yeah we have a lot of people in general from people have been moving here from california for quite some time Mm -hmm. um and so there's like a big surge after covid right it was already happening before covid and then i think uh, which is all like the changes that happened like during covid i think because they're two opposite ends of the spectrum right like when totally. i visited like san francisco you know everyone's like masking and then the vaccine cards and then you come to texas and it's like wait is there a pandemic like what yeah. <laughs> so it's you know it's it's definitely been a crazy culture shock for some people crazy journey but yeah yeah, yeah. so so how, what made you get into the field like why why did you want to be a physical therapist then specifically looking at the pelvic floor well for um the reason why i got into so i've always played sports my entire life so just always okay. been an what athlete what sports did you play i mean my entire life i mean i yeah. don't really play i shot some basketballs like a few days ago and then play occasional tennis and then like hike and i say hike on these trails because they're like paved you know yeah. really... <laughs> you're going on a walk yeah. i'm going on a hike you know yeah. it sounds cooler there's some trees around me yes. um <laughs> but uh what sports did you say yeah, what sports did you play? Uh, basketball, volleyball, and soccer. Um, mm -hmm. And then softball when I was a kid. So, oh, yeah. That yeah. sounds like me, except I did not. I never played soccer. It would just sub that for me. It was like dance and cheerleading. But then softball, volleyball, track, swimming, too. I did swimming. We, I went to like this super, super Catholic school growing up. Yes, and me like, too. They did not allow cheerleaders. Like I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, mine was not that Catholic. And and like we had to wear skirts like way past our knees, or else we'd like get a demerit. It was like this whole like, which means you wow. got if you got like three, you got detention. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. I had that system too. I know. I was it all girls? No, it wasn't. No, it was a co-ed. Oh mm -hmm. man. 
Um, okay, so you're playing sports your whole life, your whole athletic career. Yeah, and then um, I have, so that aspect, I just, I loved being active. And then I actually have two brothers with muscular dystrophy. And oh. so that means basically, if you're, if who, whoever's not familiar with it, it's when the muscles, um, they don't have a part of the muscle that helps them sustain muscle and grow muscle. So like when we work out, our muscle, you know, you're, you feel the muscle breakdown because you get that soreness and then you, you build muscle on top of it. For them, they slowly lose muscle. And so, oh. yeah, but they're, they're doing okay. They're, they're living at home um, in Northern Virginia with my family. Yeah. But I, I just saw, I've just seen so much about how their rehab has helped them. So that introduced me to the field. Um, and then the way, so then I just fell in love with orthopedics, which is basically, it's a different type of physical therapy than what they were getting. Mm -hmm. um, but it's basically helping people with back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, all that stuff. And then I did all this extensive training for to become an orthopedic physical therapist. So after PT school, um, you can do additional training. So I did an, uh, you know, about a year and a half of a residency program, which is mm. he heavy mentoring, um, more corset coursework, um, things like that. And then you sit for a board, another board exam, just, you know, cause I love to torture myself and, yeah, uh, it sounds like it. <laughs> and it was really, really great. Cause it changed. It helped me get people better faster. It just really advanced my career by many, many years. And so then how I got into the pelvic floor side of things is, um, a few different, a few different things. So one, um, way that I, one of the biggest ways that I got into it was that I did all this training. I was mentoring, I was teaching physical therapy courses. I was like, I felt like I was like doing the latest and greatest stuff, but like the subset of my, uh, female clients were just not getting to that next level. Like they just were like plateauing. They were getting like 80% and they weren't getting a hundred. Like you know, their counterparts. And so it was, it was just something that I was like, I'm missing a piece. Mm. And then I've had a couple pelvic surgeries myself. Um, and I dealt with urgencies after like severe urgencies. And, and so that's like, I have to pee like right now. It was like, I, I'm going to pee myself right this yeah, second. Like, so I'd like run yeah. to the bathroom. And I, so I personally know how frustrating it is. Um, in that sense. Yeah. And then in the, you know, in the past too, like, you know, you normalize, you just like hear people just normalizing all these things like, Oh, I just pee my pants, but my back hurts. Like no big deal. Like they're not connected. And I'm like, they're absolutely connected. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's kind of the roundabout way. And I'm very passionate about helping, um, women, you know, it's, yeah. it's, I feel like as a, as a society, as a, as a whole, right. We've, we have not focused as much on women's health. We focus on, you know, okay, we pop the baby out. And then if you're lucky, you get 12 weeks paid leave. If that very lucky, very if, lucky. If yeah. you're, you're lucky, if you get that right compared to other countries. And so, and then we weren't telling them about rehab and, you know, people are coming out literally. I mean, this might be just, you know, this is going to be a little of intense topic. Sometimes we're talking about vaginas and bleeding, but like, yeah, I mean, let's get intense. We can get intense. Yeah. Here. <laughs> you're tearing your vagina and then you're told to go back to work in eight weeks. Like, or like, oh, six weeks, you can work out again. Yeah. 
You know, like six weeks, you can start to do a little bit, but you can't get back to like a running a marathon, you know? Right. But, and if, but you didn't, and if you didn't know that, like until I started to hear more about the pelvic floor and learn more about it and just like postpartum anything. Yeah. I had in my mind, okay, right. Okay. I'll be out six weeks and then I'll be back in it. You know? Yeah. I'm sure I'll have lost a little bit over the, over the Mm -hmm. six weeks I didn't work out because I'll work out right until I'm going to give birth. And you know, like, it's just like, that's a hundred percent not realistic. And I would be setting myself up for failure than thinking, having an expectation of like, gonna quote, bounce back right away. Like that's, but I, yeah. I would then f- further injure myself and put me back even more, probably. Well, yeah, I mean, I've seen people like, and I think where the root of this comes from in this, this urge to like, I've gotta get my body back, I've gotta do this, is our, like the unrealistic expectations that society has put on women's bodies, right? Yes, 100. Like, I mean, I, we grew up looking at, you know, supermodels that had bodies that were never attainable, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with those supermodels themselves. It's just that it's not attainable, right? And all this, stuff's, right. all this stuff's coming out now. Like we saw the Victoria's Secret. Did you see the Victoria's Secret documentary? No. Do I need to watch it? It's, it's basically why, like, we've had a lot of, or at least part of the reason why women at least in our age range, have a lot of body image and um, eating disorders. Yeah, well, you know what? When I was like preparing for spring break in college Mm -hmm. or like preparing for a big... My roommates and I mm-hmm. would cut out pictures yeah. of Victoria's yeah. Secret models and put them on our refrigerators so we would look at those bodies mm-hmm. before we decided what we could or could not eat. That's can, fucked. Can you imagine saying that to like a six-year-old? A six-year-old <laughs> girl, you know what I mean? It's like, you. I just, I never want my nieces to like ever deal with this, right? And I like, know. I just, and we're but, getting better as a society, yeah. but the point yeah. is like, it's extra hard for after having babies, like for you to, you know, and, and you don't even know, like, here's the thing. You're not guaranteed to work out till the end of your labor. You might know exactly. You, you might feel like shit for like, and for your last trimester. And you're like, it's just yes. enough for me to move. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I have, right. I have people that come in with me to the, the clinic and they're like, Oh, you know, I can't like, uh, like I have somebody that they can't have penetrative sex currently. They're having trouble getting back to exercise. And then their friend is posting on Instagram that they're running a marathon. They're doing all these things. And I was like, first of all, you don't know their story. Like, no, she's like, well, they're my best. I'm like, I get it. But like, also there's some people put on, like, you don't know, right. Just because they're physically not looking a certain way, you know, postpartum mental health is a thing, right? Like a yeah. lot of people, the, the percentage of people that have postpartum anxiety, there's postpartum anxiety, there's postpartum depression, there's postpartum OCD and postpartum psychosis. Jesus. And the, <laughs> and I, my point in telling you this is not to freak you out. No, I'm already smiling. It's fine, Mary. <laughs> Are you really? I would be. Oh. No, 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 no. <laughs> like, Wait, what? What's happening? <laughs> Right now on the podcast, here we go. No, my point, my point in saying this is to be aware of it, right? Because there's so much that people can do for help. And recently, uh, we'll talk about later, but the book that I'm writing is helping prepare people for labor and, and postpartum. Oh, I cannot wait for, I am like going to just devour (laughs) all this information because I like when I described to you that thought 
process that I would have had as like a younger self. Like, oh, I'll yeah. be working out until this point. Yeah. And it's taken me a lot of like healing and mm -hmm. self-awareness and, and looking internally to like shed what that is like where that is coming from which uh, there's definitely the cultural element right like this is how we're supposed to look and the pressure that you put on like the value of a woman's body the worth that she has based on the body that she has but then also just that like my own shit of like i like need to be the best i need to like do the things i need to achieve everything like that mm -hmm. kind of stuff um but when you yeah. said like it's getting better it's totally getting better, but our age group and like our generation, like now we have to start to do the work of unlearning and that's fucking yeah. hard. I think I, I realized this, like I've kind of had a crazy couple of years, but basically I went through cancer treatment in 2019. Okay. And before then I was like, I, I didn't realize I had an eating issue. I didn't realize mm. that I thought this was normal because everybody around me hated their body. All the women that mm -hmm. I hung out with hated their bodies. They were just like restrict, binge, restrict. And it was yep, just like yep, yep. normalized. And totally so normal. I remember th th like during, I had a really, really hard time with like, I gained some weight after chemo and I haven't really yeah. lost it. And like, I had a really, really hard time with it. And now I've accepted it because I've had to look at the inner stuff. Like, why do I hate my body right now? And it's like, right. wait, you just survived cancer. Right. And, and yeah. I, <laughs> but the point is like, you know, when we think about like after having kids, if you're like, I hate my body, it's like, you just popped out a human right like we have to be kind to ourselves we have to talk like our our your body just did a beautiful thing and it might suck right now you might be going through a lot but understand that like your body like is so special and i don't think you realize how special your body is and your health is until you don't have it yes yes and, absolutely and so just take you know just your body will get to where it needs to be when you start listening to it, you start, mm -hmm. you know, like, instead of being like, oh, I'm not going to eat that. Well, it's like, why can't you eat that? And I'm not a dietitian, but I've worked with some. But the point is, is like, there is this a lot of external pressure for this, you know, yeah. get my stomach back, get my body mm -hmm. back. And it's like, the reality is, your body will never be the same. It doesn't mean it can't look like you can't feel good it's just that yeah. it's different now you pushed a human out of your you know yes. out of you and so yes. there's these changes and and you know getting back to like sometimes people can't lose weight after and mm -hmm. usually that's has to do with sometimes insulin resistance sometimes it can be due to thyroid issues sometimes it's hormonal about like there's so many different things yeah well then you think about you talked about the anxiety the depression the ocd when you are in those kind mm -hmm. of mental states too, it is can be really difficult to be like, okay, I'm gonna go to the grocery store and I'm this is my meal plan list and this is my because you do if you want you know if if you want to be intentional about losing extra weight, you do it is a lot of work to plan your meals. You got to cook at home like that's a lot of energy expended and if you are anxious or depressed or whatever, you do not always have that mental energy to put into even though it's a thing to take care of yourself like. You just can't. No, you I've can't. been you there. Can't. I do, yeah, I do, yeah, yeah. You're like, I don't want to, but also, yeah. like, I don't know if you've been following any, uh, like, a lot of the dietitian world, they're in more of intuitive eating. So teaching people, yeah. have you heard of this? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had a couple people on the podcast, too, like intuitive eating coaches and nutritionists and stuff like that. Yeah, it's that's a, like super interesting. That's what really helped Honestly, me. just, yeah. You unleash this like cage that you're in of like, no, I can't have a donut on a Tuesday. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. I would never. Not during the week. Well, that's the way I used to think. I was like, oh. No, I, yeah, I, I totally, I'm right there with you. Pizza on I, a Wednesday. No, no, right. no. Like, right, because the day of the week should dictate yeah. you know, what you're putting into your body. But we've, no, yeah. I know it's wild. It's wild. And I think that not only talking about the physical limitations that may hold someone back from getting their old body back or mm -hmm. bouncing back quickly or whatever it is, but even like beneath that, I think then the second layer is like, why do I think it's important to have a good body? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? Like, why is it that's the most important thing I do? That's where I'm putting all my energy is to manipulating my body. Exactly. Like that's that's the, like, like the deeper layer too. That I mean, I look at my, the way I would stress myself out about gaining five pounds and I'm just like, this is, this is ridiculous. But I always, yeah, I always say I'm like, well, the people that matter in my life think any differently of me. No, if I'm five they don't to care. Eight. No, yeah. absolutely not. And if they do, you're with the wrong people. You're with the wrong crowd. Yeah. Yeah. And it, which sucks at first, but then you're like, yeah. wait, I'm actually going to be happier around people that value <laughs> other things about me besides just my body yeah you yeah, know no, no, um no. but yeah so there's so many things so there's that aspect right but then there's also like one of the biggest things that I hear post baby is and you don't even have to be post baby like this can be just in general right but just because we're talking about it now um they feel like they can't engage their abdominals and the biggest reason I find that it's because of that is 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 really because they're loading their abdominals too fast and what I mean by that is if you tore, if you tore your bicep, right, or overstretched it and you could lift 50 pounds before and then after you overstretched it or it tore, you went to go lift that 50 pounds again. Do you think you could do it? <laughs> no. So what are you going to, you're going to use all these other muscles to help with that bicep curl. So people can't see us, but I'm just like flexing my arm back and swinging my upper body to help my elbow flex. Yes. So no, what I need to do is I need to scale down the weight, increase the reps until I can really start building that muscle back, mm, right? And yeah, so get like the foundation. Yeah, all people come in, they're like, they, they have a baby and they go straight to full plank. I'm like, oh no, like, no, 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 no. We're doing planks. Let's just kind of see where you're at, right? Let's, let's check. The other thing that can happen too is the, the abdominal muscles, the rectus abdominis muscles, they're like those six pack muscles can separate Oh, and yeah. then you can have like the, the GI, you could have your gut kind of pushing through. Um, that's oh, what that coning is, right? Mm. And so do you know what I mean by that? Have you ever seen it? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. And how does that happen? I mean, it naturally happens in a lot of pregnancies just because we okay. literally just like, need just to part expand of, like, with a yeah. lot of people. And some people it resolves naturally and other people... Um, there's a lot of fear around this too. Like, and there shouldn't be because there's basically, it's the same thing as controlling your abdominal pressure, right? If you, have you ever lifted something really heavy? What do you do? You go, oh, right? You're like, <laughs> just, just making effects for the, for the fans, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. you, you like, you hold, it's a lot of breath, right? What do you think is happening to your, your belly? right? You're filling that up. 
you're tensing it up, the bellies, it's too much, they call it intra-abdominal pressure, so pressure within your abdominal cavity, that the load is too much, so then the belly, then your, the coning pushes out through the six-pack muscles. And mm -hmm. so the way you would work on that is you would decrease the load again, right? So mm -hmm. like, um, and the way that sometimes I'll check people is like, I get them to feel what it feels like to have that feeling, okay? And then I have them do a movement and be like, do you feel that? Yeah. And then they're like, I don't know, I don't know. Can you feel da 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 da? And I'm like, I need to teach you how to do this because I'm not gonna be there and I don't want you right. worrying about every th single thing. I want you to learn how to move first. Yeah, right? that body awareness. That's yeah. important for you, right? And so I show them and then they learn and then they can kind of, you know, so then if they do a workout in a class, they're like, can I do this? Should I ask Mary? And it's like, I'm happy to help people, but I don't want them to make them de codependent on me, like, yeah, or dependent on me. Yeah. Like I want yeah, to empower them. fishermen to fish. Yeah. 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 I mean, it'd be good as a business model, but horrible yeah. as a healthcare <laughs> provider. I'm not doing yeah. that. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's one of the biggest things that I hear about people postpartum. Also, mm. it takes a bit longer when you've had a C-section just because, um, what they'll do is, you know, they cut the lower abdominals horizontally yeah. and then they actually switch and cut vertically to kind of, they don't cut your muscles. They, they cut that spacing in between called the linea alba. It's the tissue okay. that that's what separates when you have the diastases. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. and so, and then, you know, so obviously all that can be impaired as well. And so the, right. the other thing is like, if you have a C-section or any abdominal scarring, right, you can have abdominal scarring from GI gut surgery. You can have it from pelvic surgeries. You can have it from endo like endometriosis surgeries. You can have an appendectomy. Anyways, all yep. of that, you know, all of that scarring can also impair um, abdominal activation too, right? So if you have a scar, I always use the bicep as an analogy. If you have a scar in the middle of your bicep, can you generate as much force? No, because you're not able to use, you know, muscles are filled with a bunch of muscle fibers, right? And so if a few mm -hmm. of those muscle fibers aren't contracting, you're not going to generate as much force. The full power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd say every single person that I've come in that's had a C-section, maybe 99%, nobody's been told to move their scar um oh yeah in, wow and when you say move the scar what do you mean you literally mean just like massage like it, you take your skin and kind of go clockwise and counterclockwise and you're you're moving it right and this is so it's important that you do it when it's closed right like but yeah yeah that's really funny that no so no one has is like telling these women to do this like uh, uh, you know as recovery my um i know someone that got knee surgery like I think just like a meniscus tear surgery and his surgeon was like move the scar around that's actually kind of shocking though because like sometimes even after stuff like that they don't tell people move the scar oh, but that's really? that's really okay. good but we yeah. still have like and I don't blame providers or like because the way our healthcare system is set up is there's minimal time Yes, that people right. have right it's like the goal is to like keep people alive and then make sure baby's safe and then you're kind of yeah. on your own yeah. um so you're just like oh out to the world with a human mm -hmm. what um but yeah so the scar thing is pretty big too and that goes for the vaginal scars as well so wh what does moving it around do so if you think have you ever had a scar 
No, I've never had any major surgery. Okay. But you haven't like had a scar and like cut yourself anywhere? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have like, yeah, I have like little scars. Yeah, nothing like really big, but yes, I have scars. So there's scar, there's there's scars and then there's incisions. So incisions are things that are cut, like Uh the surgeries and then scarring. And then you have a scar from an incision, but then you can also have a scar from uh, you know, falling and hitting yourself or something. So yep. what happens is when you have a scar, if you kind of take your forearm and move your skin around, if you don't have a scar mm-hmm. there, do you feel how it kind of wiggles in all directions? Yeah. If you have a scar, it doesn't do that. It's like bound down. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yep. That makes right. Sense. Yes. And so it, it binds down to the fascia and that fascia is that thin membrane. It's like that when you peel apart chicken breast, there's like a white yes. membrane. That's what yep. we have too. And so that can bind down and then the muscle can bind down. So we're not getting that free movement of the muscle. Oh, so this kind of like breaks it up a little bit, the the moving it around? Yeah, there's like debate if it actually breaks it up. But the point, mm. you know, when you look at research, they're like, oh, this specific size of this. But the point is, regardless, we know it makes things move better, right? Yeah. We know yeah. that it frees up movement. Whatever it's doing, it's freeing up movement, whether it's it's breaking up the scar, whether it's either way, the point is it's moving, it's helping free up tissue underneath, mm. you know, is it breaking up the scar or is it freeing up the tissue underneath either way, whatever, yeah. move it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. Give, gives you a good benefit. Yeah. Gives you a benefit. Do it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. And then the other thing is the vaginal scars that. So, oh, from like tearing during childbirth. Childbirth. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how common is that? Do you know, happen to know? It's fairly common, but here's the thing is like, usually like there's different degrees of tearing. Yes, right? I learned about this. A friend of mine, a friend of mine had third degree tears mm-hmm. and they told her like she would not be able to have vaginal birth again because the tearing was so severe. Yeah, I mean, it just dep- like, you know, it yeah. just depends. I don't, I don't know her specific situation, but yeah, basically first degree is just, like I could go through the different degrees, but basically first yeah. degree is just a slight tear. Second degree is a bit more. Third, you're getting close from the vagina to the anus. And then the fourth is a tear to the anus. Um, and so that I've actually talked to people that have had that and they were never sent to pelvic floor physical therapy. <gasps> like you literally ripped, like, what do they say? Like tip to taint, like you were ripped open. Yeah. I mean, sometimes depending on how, how much the anal sphincter, so the anal sphincter, is torn the butthole sometimes yeah yeah. (laughs) the butthole yeah Um, i like to do that with my clients i'll be like so feces also known as poop yeah (laughs) just trying to be this is what we call it just trying to be professional here (laughs) they're like she's weird this crazy lady but sometimes they'll uh bring in like a um um a surgeon like a gi surgeon to help with the anal anal sphincter right because you want you want you know you want that intact yeah yeah, you want your you want that operating properly yeah but you want you want you know sometimes when they do it you know if you you have that dock in versus and then your ob is sewing up the vagina like you're getting two specialties right there so look at that so you should massage this that vaginal scarring too Move it around. I keep saying massage, but you were saying move it around. Well, yeah, you can massage, massage, move it around, whatever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it could be misinterpreted, but like, yes, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, what I'll have people do is actually lay down on, like I'll show them, but like in general, I'll have people 
in the clinic, I'll show them, like I put a glove on their dominant hand. They lie in a slightly reclined position with their okay. knees bent and then they stick yep. their finger into their vagina, their thumb. Okay. And then if you think about your vagina as a clock, so like where your uh -huh. clitoris is, is 12 yep. o'clock. Your anus, your anus, the butthole, just because uh -huh. I know I know you wanted to say it again. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I wanted to hear it. <laughs> um, is, see how many times I can get you to say it is today. It's si <laughs> six o'clock. Um, mm -hmm. And so usually the most common scars are going to be around from like six to like five o'clock. So I'll have okay. them kind of like scoop motion along the scar. And people are like, how do I know if I'm on the scar? If you kind of go along the sides, you'll feel like if you take your thumb and you kind of move along the inside of your cheek, uh -huh. you can kind of feel it's like kind of soft, uh -huh. right? And then if you feel like something bumpy or rigid, that's going to be where the scar uh -huh. is. Yeah, I have scars on both sides of my mouth from chewing on my cheeks. Oh, well, yeah. maybe that's it. You should massage the scars, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, okay, well, now that I know, <laughs> is there a time frame? Like, okay, you make sure you want to do this, like, as soon as it's healed, you want to wait some time, like, Yeah, it, it just, you want it, I mean, since... How the, long do you massage, touch, the, yeah. rub the... I guess I should, I guess we should preface this is not medical advice. This is very general, yes, sure. very disclaimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like ask your provider about it if you have more questions. Or yes, something. but yeah, yeah, generally yeah. speaking, all of this is ask your provider, right? But yes, like generally yes. speaking, God, we yeah. wait until the, it's closed. So there's no leakage, there's no bleeding, there's no leakage, like the scar, you know, the crust from the scar is off, right? The scabbing, it's gone. Um, yep. and that's kind of when I'll have people move it. Right. And so, okay. um, that's generally speaking like versus yeah. like I have had people where like the incision wasn't fully healed. So I'm like, we're just going to not do that yeah. for right yeah, now. Yeah. 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 Right. A second. So while we're on this like postpartum discussion, can we talk about your book? Yes. We so can. what made you, I mean, I think I probably know what made you want to write the book, but when did this start? Like what's the process been? Um, I just feel like there's just still not a ton of information in the postpartum world um, on the pelvic floor and returning to life after having a baby. There's a lot of the research that we did prior to the book was a lot of prep for baby, like medical mm -hmm. stuff, like not physical therapy is medical, but not like hey, these are things to look at. There's a lot on, like, a lot of books on mental health and stuff as well, but I didn't really see anything that was kind of an all-inclusive book mm. for pelvic floor and core health. Mm. From And so that was something that was really passionate about. And then also allowing it to have, like, a minimum bar barrier to entry. So pelvic floor physical therapy is an investment. It can be expensive. And a lot of therapists don't take insurance. Um, because insurance reimburses so low and then we wouldn't be able to give you the time. Yeah. So yeah. that's like another barrier to entry for people. So the goal of this book is, you know, whatever, I don't know, we haven't even looked at pricing, but I'm sure like 15 bucks or yeah. something like that. I, yeah. Yeah. 20. I don't know. Like we'll have to yeah, look yeah, at yeah. that. But the point is, is like if somebody could buy that for like $15 and have all of this information and at least like they're not going to, 
like from the book, you're not going to know, oh, this is exactly what I need to do, right? Like the only way you know exactly is if you saw, uh, yes, right. but the point is, is like, you will have direction. Like you will be like, oh my gosh, a like, starting point at this least. is a yeah. starting point. And we're going to have like QR codes in there too, that kind of link to some, uh, worksheets we're gonna have videos we're gonna have images oh it's like a whole interactive playbook yeah that's the goal that's why it's taking a while wow that's really cool and so you're saying kind of mid next year that's the goal yeah because that's the goal in the rough draft right now i'm adding my last chapter on breastfeeding and then oh yeah and then um like and so yeah so then I, I'm uh, gathering together all the infographics and then I got to record all the videos for the QR codes. Okay. Um, so when you're ready to release, you got to come back on oh, yeah. and, t- and talk about it when you go on your book tour, yeah. make sure you slot me in. Yeah. Well also too, like if, uh, if people like I do on our Instagram, so my Instagram's DR Mary PT. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have like a lot of videos that explain things. I try to make sense of humor with certain things just to make it fun and playful. Yeah. Cause I feel like people really resonate with that. And if they don't, then they're probably like, this girl's not for yeah. me. Well, it's, <laughs> can be, it can be an uncomfortable topic Oh yeah. and a lot that people, it, it's, I think it's almost like, Oh, shouldn't I like know this stuff about my body? Like, Oh, I don't like, does everyone else know more than I do? So there's, you know, there's just some like lack of confidence or like, I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what a pelvic floor is. Well, there's shame surrounding that. And, and the shame is on nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault, but we're just not, I mean, I think, I mean, I could go on and on about what we learn in school and stuff, but like, (laughs) I think basic anatomy and understanding genitalia and, how our body works yeah. is very, very important. And, you know, the, and empowering, the, though, the, like that, you know, the biggest thing that I hear people say, the number one thing when they come into the clinic, they say, why did nobody tell me this? I hear it right. like so many times a day, every day. And even like we were talking about, even like if I tell people if I'm at a out at a gathering, I tell somebody I'm a public fourth physical therapist, and I start saying stuff. They're like, wait, what? Yeah. You know, like why I didn't even know a this was a profession and b that this yep. was even possible. Right. And so, right. yeah, there's no shame. And here's the thing is like, you know, I've had people come in and they like I had somebody she they felt guilty that they couldn't orgasm from uh, penetrative sex. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah, I was like, no, that is the media that is like male, like pornography that's meant for men to understand that there's only a small percentage of people with vaginas that that climax from just penetration. I think just I, penetration. I want to say I don't even know the exact. It's like seven or nine percent, and then like the rest are like clitoral stimulation. Um, yes. And then you know a lot of people don't even know the clitoris has legs and a bowl. Yeah. People yeah. don't know that, and that engorges too. Um, mm-hmm. There's also uh, cervical orgasms as well, right? There's so there's there's a bunch of different things that can happen. But wait, what do you what do you know about what do you know about cervical orgasms? I don't know anything about cervical orgasms. This will be new for me. Yeah, no, they're just basically. I mean, here's the thing: anything when you talk to anybody in the sex therapy world or sex education world. Technically, orgasms can occur in any form or fashion. It's just like a form of euphoria from 
you know, a buildup and then you have a climax, right? And release. And release, yeah. right? And so there's a debate on how many orgasms you can, types that you can have. But the kind of the general ones that I talk about in the book are going to be, you know, uh, clitoral. Um, and then you can get the, the vaginal as well, right? So you've got the vaginal, which... When I say vaginal, there's debate if there actually is a G-spot. There is yeah. an area inside the vagina that, when stimulated, can cause an orgasm, right? And so that's considered the G-spot, but there's really, like, when they've looked at, like, when they've looked at cadavers in that area, they're not showing a spot. So they didn't look at, like, the individual cells. The study, mm. but it looked at it and it didn't show a spot. But where what people are saying is either way, stimulation there can help achieve orgasm. Not for just you know everybody has a different way of achieve, achieving it. And just yes. majority of people yes. with vaginas get it from a lot of them do from clitoral stimulation. Clitoral, right? yes, yes. And, and so no, I know it's such a thing. Yeah, and so the, that woman feeling shame about not being able to. Yeah, but the point is like there's also you know, there's, it's, it's usually like the bladder, like, so the urethral nerve endings, those can be stimulated. And that's debate on if that's actually the G spot causing that orgasm. Wow. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah. So I also, you know, I don't know, like sometimes when people have a full bladder as well, like it can feel like they're being stimulated sometimes. If the lower abdominals, like people with their lower abdominals, sometimes like if they overact their abdominals, they can experience an orgasm like working out and stuff like that. Oh, um, my God. Yeah. Wow. That's 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 wild. I have almost felt like if I've held my pee for a really, really long time, like I didn't have access to a bathroom and then I w and then I go like that first like is like sometimes like like amazing the best <laughs> feeling well yeah I, like, just be, if i'm holding it for too long i'm like as soon as i pee i know i will be a different person like i know i will be a different person like i just have to pee and then it's just about to pay yeah yeah and then i'm a different person yeah well i think in general though we're just you know i really educated that person on like hey like this is not your fault nobody ever taught yeah. you this like we don't talk about it as a society there's it's still taboo Right. And um, I just, you know, it's just constantly educating people. And yeah, I was just going to say in your book, we're talking about like educating people. Will you have information about the mental side, too? Oh, yeah. Or, so or, I'm yeah. so I'm not a mental health professional. Right. Yes. But I work right. a lot with them. And so I actually have a psychiatrist that I interviewed. She only works with reproductive psychiatrists. Uh, She's in the reproductive psychiatry world. So she helps people manage. So it's really important, like, to, you know, what one big thing that we talked about with her was that, like, A, just, you know, you are likely, there is a high, you have a higher chance. So say, like, I have, I struggle with anxiety, right? I have, right now I have it under control. You know, I'm doing quotes because, you know, it is right now. It's never but like, fucking under control. Yeah. I call it my demon of doom. <laughs> But I know what flares me up, right? Too much caffeine, not enough sleep, working too much, and um, not controlling my blood sugar. Yeah. So, so those things. So anyways, so I, because I already have a baseline of anxiety, I know that like if I were to ever decide to get pregnant, I want to make sure like 
I want to make sure that I'm talking to somebody before getting pregnant or during my pregnancy because you can develop, um, your symptoms can potentially worsen during pregnancy or postpartum. And that's like when I went on my, that spiral you had when you talked about postpartum anxiety, because I for sure will fucking have it. (laughs) But the thing is, you know, though, like, yes, I can go in prepared with tools. Yeah. And, you know, and also just like talking to your, your doctor, because there's a lot of fear. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of fear around medications during pregnancy. Right. And Mm. so the one thing that I, you know, I've talked to another doctor about this is that like, they were like, okay, you could have one of two things, right? Like you could take this medication that's been studied for years and shown to not necessarily have, you know, different effects on the body or on the fetus or the baby, right? Or you could have this spike of cortisol your entire pregnancy, which we know harms you and the baby, right? And then you're not taking care of yourself and then all these different things. And I was like, wow, that's a different way to look at it. Yeah. You know, and so it's like really weighing the risks you weigh. Yeah. Which which is worse. And so Mm -hmm. there there is there is, you know, that aspect too. the one thing she did say was interesting is the placenta can sometimes act as a filter or so that way the the fetus won't necessarily get as much of the medication. Honestly, like I'll give my fetus anti-anxiety medication in the womb. It'll help. It'll be better coming out. I think you're I'm going to like birth you into this world and I'm not going to have give you anything to help you deal with it I'm well okay. well <laughs> just depend, just let's just i'm just kidding <laughs> um yeah so the point is is like i'm not a psychiatrist so but uh so there's psychiatrists are the doctors that went to med school they prescribe medication they can help you navigate your mental health yeah around your, and, and it, the one thing that's important is you're working with people that ha- are familiar with working um, with people who are pregnant or postpartum because it's a yeah. whole different world than just generic, not generic, but just general psychiatry. Yeah. Um, really quick question. This sure. is totally tangent off topic, but not really. Did you, or do you watch The Handmaid's Tale? I started to uh, a, a couple years ago, but I... And I then just, you couldn't? I just, yeah, I don't know. I it's mean, it's pretty it's pretty dark and twisted and terrible. But the one thing I like would always make me so mad about the show was like they, right, the goal is like to get these handmaids pregnant so they can reproduce. But like while, during their pregnancy, they're under like the most, like they're literally enslaved, right? And like they know their baby's going to be taken away. Like the amount of stress mm-hmm. and then they like have these like healthy, fine babies. I'm like, I don't think it would work that way. <laughs> I think that you would be like, it would just be, so, it would just be like so detrimental to your pregnancy. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of things that surround mental health around pregnancy too. It's the support. Do you have a good support system? Right. Cause sometimes yeah. people are single moms, right? Right. Sometimes people are single moms and have to work full time and, you know, and then if people are lucky that they're you know that they have a supportive partner or they have supportive family right and so there's all these different aspects that can affect somebody's mental health Mm -hmm. right like if you're struggling just to pay rent or you you know you're not feeling well and you're like you have to go to work because you don't have a choice like nobody's going to pay the bills right and so um everybody has different circumstances and so Yeah. yeah it's it's a lot. I think that also the partners recognizing that anxiety is real. I have seen that, unfortunately, mm. where people don't feel like their partners are supportive because they don't really necessarily think it's real. Um, yeah. 
Unfortunately, yeah. And and so, you know, the thing is just just chill out, just relax. Like if somebody just relax. If it was that just easy, relax. if it was if that was if it was that easy, I would I would be yeah. I don't know what I, where I would be. Probably nowhere I would else. be relaxed. <laughs> I would just be relaxed if that's what it took. I'd be so relaxed. I'd be sleeping right now. <laughs> I'd be Constantly. sleeping all the time. Constantly. Oh, my um, God. Okay. Well, Mary, I want to shift gears a little bit because okay. I want to hear about your kind of favorite or tried and true self-care rituals, routines. What do you have to do? to make sure that you're ensuring or showing up as like your best self? Um, exercising is number one. I do. What's your form of exercise? Your favorite? So I get bored go-to? of the same stuff. So I do a variety of things. I, I like interval training. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally I do like barbell strengthening, uh, hiking, um, mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. hiking. uh, tennis. Oh yeah. And then recently just started shooting around some basketballs. Either way, my point is, is movement. Yeah. So if I'm not moving and then if I'm not nourishing my body, like I get that like, there are days where I'm like, I'm just going to grab something from Starbucks and just go. Right. Yeah. But yeah. if I like, I need to fuel my body with stuff that I know like makes me feel better, not because mm-hmm. it makes my body look better. It's because it right. makes me feel better. It makes my, so that's a big thing for me. So like if I, one of the biggest things that changed my life with my anxiety and stress was my managing my blood sugar. Like I, and so many people don't realize what this means. They're like, I don't eat a lot of sweets. No. I'm like, it's not eating sweets. Like, so I'll give you, what is it? Okay. I'll give you an example. So like I, my doctor put me on, like you can do like the, 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 the little things that I'm like the monitor that sticks into your arm and you can track okay. it on your phone or you can get, sometimes you, if you, if you, you know, the doctors prescribe that, but they have them, the pricks at like, CBS, right? Okay. And so, like, generally speaking, um, you know, you want, like, your fasting blood sugar to be, like, under 100, right? And so, I guess my point is, like, I realized that I was waking up, I was drinking two cups of coffee, and what that was doing was it was spiking my blood sugar so much that, like, just the coffee. Well, I was having coffee and then oh, okay. I'd have like, I never have just coffee because I, I will crash hard and get my body. Mm-hmm. I feel the blood sugar dropping. Like I feel like shaky and anxious, like as it starts dropping. Um, but for breakfast, like I'll have, I don't know, like some yogurt, some Greek yogurt. So some protein in it and then like some berries and then like, um, some peanut butter, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, I, I never really have like a high carb breakfast because mm-hmm. I know that I'm having coffee with it. So anyway, so my point is, um, so I'll have that. And then two hours later, I'd have this huge crash and I'd be mm. shaking and like needing something to eat. So I've always been hangry and apparent. Mm. I had no idea that hangry is a sign of blood sugar imbalance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so yeah. one of the biggest things that I did was I took out that second cup of coffee and I just kept one. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, my blood sugar stayed stable. So the days that I had those two, I would like be craving like at 10 o'clock and be like, I need a cookie or I need a carb, right? And so like your blood sugar was, yeah, yeah. dropping. And so they say like not to have naked carbs and basically that's anything without pro, like you want to add a protein. Yes. 
So the yeah. way you manage your blood sugars, you have like a protein. Like if you're going to have, if you decide to have, if you're like craving a bagel or something, it's okay, fine, but have eggs with it or have something yeah. else. And yep. then if I have like a higher carbohydrate meal, I try to move a little bit after just to mm -hmm. kind of help my digestion. Um, yep, yep. Love that. Yeah. And so just kind of things like that. That was a big thing for me that like, I didn't even know like my blood sugar was spiking with like sweet, pota yeah. sweet potatoes yeah. or strawberries. It was stuff that wasn't Right, right. Doesn't it's not like a cake or a donut or whatever. It's just like anything with carbs. Yeah, yeah, carbs. yeah. Yeah, but it, but some were fine with me. Yeah. Like some were fine, and so it's kind yeah. of figuring out what works for you. And it's not saying all oh, carbs are bad because I need carbs more on my no. heavier workout days. Right, right. And if I'm not having it then, but so that that's made a big difference. So you're exercising. You're eating right. Anything else that's like I quality, must do this to quality, be my best. Quality sleep. Oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes. Quality that, that is like the game changer for me. If I don't get sleep, I'm useless. I'm horrible. Like, don't, like stick yeah. me in a corner. I don't want to be around me. Yeah. No one wants to be around me. I crave, like, total junk food, total <laughs> shit food. I don't want to move. Like, I can't think. I'm crank. It's just terrible. It's the worst. No, it's it's horrible. And then the last thing I would say is hobbies. Mm, yeah. Uh, what are your hobbies? Well, uh, part of it is included in the workouts and stuff, but like Time, I yeah. really like just I took like a woodworking class the other day, which was really I fun. Love that. I What um, did you whittle? <laughs> I made this like cutting board. Okay. So it's not. <laughs> I know. Not like whittling wood. No, no. Well, I'm not that yeah. good yet. Yeah. <laughs> Soon I'll have my own YouTube woodworking channel. Yes. It's like yes, this girl, so. this girl doesn't know shit, but she's just yeah. Like, she will show you how to move the scars on your vagina <laughs> and whittle you a beautiful statue. Yeah, they're like, can she figure out what her niche is? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I gonna say though? Uh, yeah, Hobbies, I, oh, I, I did a stand-up comedy class a few months ago, which was super fun. Um, that is so cool and so impressive, and like so hard to me it sounds like the hardest thing it well that's kind of why I did it because like yeah you know I hadn't done public speaking in a couple of years because of COVID and you know when my book launches I, I definitely want to do some more speaking events and stuff like that yeah. so I was like let me just face this fear it had been on my bucket list and so I did it but getting getting back to the things that and and anxiety goes a long way like with your health, right? Like with your physical health too. So it's like, you know, these are things that I'm talking yeah. to my clients with all the time. Like, what are your hobbies? And people look at me yeah. like, like I have five heads and I'm like, we need to get you hobbies. Like what you makes need you to do something? Yeah. yeah. What makes you feel alive? Like, yes. and yes. you know, just kind of remembering to be in the present moment. So randomly I'll be doing stuff and I'll sit here and be like, okay, you know, I'm feeling the back of the chair on my back. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing the noises I'm hearing. I'm you know, I'm seeing some beautiful greenery outside. I'm, you know, and, and that's just mindfulness. So those are some yeah, of the top yeah. things that I do that have really helped with um, my self-care. I, mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So Mary, what does being fit mean to you? Being fit means to me being able to do things with your body that you didn't necessarily think you could do. Maybe even yeah. if it was just five months ago, a week ago, a day ago, 10 years ago. 
And it's moving your body to do the things that you love to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So you called out your Instagram handle, but I'm going to ask you to do it again where people follow you, learn all about pelvic floor stuff, see your book coming out, which you got to come back on and talk about. For sure. Um, It's Dr. Mary PT. So D-R-M-A-R-Y-P-T. And are you on the TikToks? The TikTok. Are you just gramming? Actually, I am. I have to look up my, I forgot my handle. I'm like that. <laughs> I'm at that age, you know. You're um, like, I have one, but I don't I'm remember the, what I'm calling. The TikTok. I think I'm the, I'm the vagina doc on TikTok. That's what I am. Yeah. I love that. Vagina doc on TikTok. I keep getting banned from posting stuff because they think it's like pornography. Oh. I'm like, no, yeah. I'm showing people how to move their vaginas. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that from people. I've seen people like spell things differently when they're talking about certain topics. That's why. Yeah. They'll get like shadow banned or whatever. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun. I'm excited for your book. Um, and definitely want you to come back and talk to us more about the pelvic floor and just to help to like, like we said, quiet some of these, like the chit chat chatter of, you know, am I doing something wrong? Am I not doing enough? Am I not going to be enough? Like we have enough of that shit. And like when it comes to our own bodies and the organs that literally bring life into the world, we need to like be cool with that. For sure. I do feel like Samantha Wood needs a shout out because I feel like she's so excited that we're talking. Oh, yes. Samantha Wood. Thank you very much for getting married so (laughs) that we could meet. We appreciate you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Mary. Have a good night. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye-bye.